Hallelujah. I'm really excited to be here this morning. Um, I'm speaking along the lines of what I titled the oracles of God. Um, the word oracle signifies or simply means divine sayings or divine speakings. Uh, so if I say oracles of God, I'm speaking about the speakings of God or the sayings of God. The book of Romans chapter 3, um, I don't know if the scriptures can be projected. Thank you so very much. Uh, I, 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 trust, I, I trust the Lord for a very quick work. This has been a very recurring scripture for me this year. Uh, every year, I get to have favorite scriptures. Uh, in the year 2023, I would say that this is one of my very favorite scriptures. It's favorite for me because uh, it's formed for the most part of this year a significant building block. Uh, that God has given to very critical uh, understanding, basically, that God has given to me in the year 2023 that will be relevant now and even beyond. And I've had opportunity to uh, speak and communicate in variants of this scripture at different times in different places. And whilst I was praying for this meeting, uh, and myself and Busaya, we were spirit storming. You know, the way you brainstorm and spirit storm. So we were spirit storming uh, because, uh, of course, uh, um, you know, things happened uh, quite late. And we just wanted to be sure um, that we were accurate and being able to pick the mind of God and the speakings of God. Um, I just felt I needed to speak along these lines uh, to us this morning. And, and, and Paul started this scripture by asking a very critical question. Um, a very important question. Paul said, look, what is really our age, Solomon? What, you know, in the language of uh, Street, they will say, What did we gain? What is really our advantage? What is our edge? What, what, what gives us what gives us that advantage as believers? He was asking that very wonderful question. He said, What advantage then has the Jew? Now, the Jew here is not speaking about the natural Jew. That is the natural Israel. Because it's said in scripture, not all that are Jews are Jews. In other words, for the fact that you are Jewish by birth does not mean that you belong to the spiritual Jew of God. For the fact that you are an Israeli, I'm talking about belonging to the natural nation of Israel, does not mean that you are part of the nation of God. Now, Peter clearly told us that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That description of the nation of God, God being the God of Israel, does not primarily 
refer, especially in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in the Old Covenant, the natural-born Jews were children of God and accommodated in that covenant. All you needed to be um, a child of God were that your parents are Jewish. So you were... Uh, you were naturally engrafted or introduced into the old covenant. By old covenant, I, I mean the agreement and the tie that God has or had with man. We call it old because God has initiated a new basis for a new contract and agreement. That's what we call the New Testament. But before the new agreement came, or before the new relationship came, or before the new connection came, when God had the previous connection, the previous connection were, was with the natural-born Jews. And in that arrangement, God also created a way for non-Jews to be not naturalized, you know, or for them to earn citizenship in that covenant. Uh, definitely, you needed to go through circumcision and go through a couple of rituals, and then you'll be accommodated in that covenant. But in the New Testament, the nation of God or the people of God are no longer the people of the flesh. And, and, and God describes this transition between the old covenant and the new covenant, the covenant that came by natural birth and the covenant that came by spiritual birth, by his communication to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, um, Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again. Now, that scripture has several implications and, uh, and I'm, I'm not disputing that, but one of the implications that that scripture has was that Jesus was describing that in the agreement that God had with mankind, in the relationship that God had with man, in the old covenant, all you needed to do was to be given birth to by your mother. But in this new covenant, God is demanding another kind of birth. For the fact that you are a Jew in this arrangement and a child of God in this arrangement does not mean that you will make it into this arrangement. If you are going to make it into this arrangement, you will need another access of introduction. In this other arrangement, the introduction you needed to have was being given birth to by a Jewish parent. In this new arrangement, the introduction that you need for you to come into this space and into this contract and into this relationship, is also that you must be given birth to. But this time around, not by the will of flesh, not by the will of blood, but by the will of, of God. So except a man be born again, he cannot see and he cannot enter. Hallelujah. So he's speaking about the spiritual Jews. He's speaking about believers. Romans chapter 3, speaking about believers. What advantage? What advantage do we have that we have a covenant with God? That we have a contract with God? That we have a tie with God? Waiting we gain. And I always love that. It, it's a very valid question. What is our edge? That I'm a Jew of God. What advantage then has the Jew? And what profit what is the profit of spiritual circumcision? 
This circumcision here describes the removal of the foreskin, which was which actually explains uh, uh, engrafting into the kingdom. We lost our old life and we were given a new life. We were actually circumcised. Circumcision describes our transition and describes the new birth by which and through which we gained the identity as the Israel of God and as a Jew. So Paul is asking that question, what is our advantage? What is our profit? And verse 2 says, Paul said, there are so many advantages. Paul said, much in every way. Wow. Of course, we can begin to recount some of the advantages. One of the advantages is the forgiveness of sins. Another advantage, you know, the advantage of the New Testament is summarized in the word, in the word salvation. Salvation is the word soteria, which simply means rescue from sin and its consequences. What is the consequence of sin? Death. The word death there does not primarily refer to physical death, but the word death there refers to decay or diminishing. God saves us from diminishing. The reason why we have diminishing in the world today is because sin came into the world. Diminishing. You know, when, when Adam, Adam began to live for a long time, but he lived and lived and lived until he diminished into the grave. And if you check it, this, this, the, <laughs> the slope of diminishing has been reducing and reducing. Mankind, there was, a man, there was a time mankind used to live for 900 and something years. I might remember the generations of Methuselah. And after some time, even the guy, guys like Abraham still managed 170-something years. And, and after a while, he came down to 120. David said in his days, he said, if by the reason of strength, <laughs> if you try, is <laughs> the, the oppression of diminishing death and decay in the earth. Sicknesses in your body is diminishing. That's the earth. One of the beautiful things about eternal life is newness. You know, when the Bible says his mercies are new every morning, that, that, that dimension of his mercy is not in the sphere of mankind because in the sphere of mankind is diminishing. Why do we have makeup industry today? It's an industry that is combating diminishing. To help it. Is <laughs> to help diminishing. Cream. Yes. Hair cream. Uh, some, some men are bald. They put cream to help provoke the air follicles. Beard gangs. Their oil. Just to. Because everything is just decay. Diminishing. Decay. Diminishing. Decay. Diminishing. Hallelujah. 
And one of the things the gospel has brought to light is salvation. Because salvation handles the very root of diminishing or death, which is sin. Because death came into the earth as a result of sin. And so one of the things that the Lord, if if God is to help a man, one of the things that the Lord first does to the man is to save him from his sins. Remember when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The next day when John saw Jesus coming towards him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Why why was God particular about sin? Why was his name called Messiah? Messiah, the Savior of the world. He brings salvation to the world. How is he going to save the world? He will save the world by taking away the sin. Because the legality of death and diminishing to operate on the face of the earth stands on the platform of sin. And so if Jesus deals with sin, automatically Jesus deals with death. No wonder when Jesus died and resurrected, died on the cross and resurrected on the third day, one of the things he announced to his disciples is, behold, All power in heaven on earth has been given to me. He announced that in the book of Revelations when he said, I now hold the key of hell and of death. That key or that access, that key there just talks about access, the the grounds of access. The, the, the license, uh, that's the word, thank you. The license of access, the key of death, the license, the license of access was granted to death as a result of sin. And so Paul said, we would sing and we would say this song, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Why? Because the sting of death is sin. Oh, so that scorpion called death is not as powerful as we thought. You know, the problem with scorpion, basically, is that that thing. So as scary as that scorpion is, if you can cut away that thing, it's nothing more than a cockroach. So the stink of death, that the real venom of death is sin. And so one of the things God does for you is that when God removes sin from your life, now pay attention to this. When God removes sin from your life, which happened the very day you got born again, he took away the body of sin. Automatically, God was also dealing by extension with the activities of death around you. Jesus hates death. Jesus detests death. Scripture says, For this cause was the Son of Man made manifest, 
that he might destroy the works. Anywhere he finds the works of the works of the devil is death. Death, devil is like someone said, the doer of evil. The evil that the devil or Satan does is death. And so one of the things that you find around your life is that God begins to uh, uninstall and God begins to dismantle the infrastructure, infrastructure of diminishing around your life. And that's why it is unique to the righteous man that the path of the righteous man shineth brighter and brighter. If you look at the righteous man, there is no diminishing in his operation. If you observe the righteous man, you will realize that the progression and the operation of the life of a righteous man is, is anti what is obtainable in the realms of man. Because what is obtainable in the realms of man is diminishing. But he says the path of the righteous is as a shining dawn that shines brighter and brighter. It seems, therefore, that the projection of the life of the righteous man is not diminishing, it's increase. And that's why one of the things that is common around our life that we celebrate is eternal life. There is no diminishing. There is no death. There is no darkness. What is the profit of the Jew? What advantage then has circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly. Now, of the many things that are unique about us, and I just touched on some of those things, speaking about salvation, as beautiful as some of those things are, Paul said, the biggest thing about your life, thank God about the fact that your sins are forgiven. Thank God about the fact that uh, you now have access to salvation. I'm talking about good health, name it, all the good things that God gives. Paul said the biggest advantage we have as believers is that to us is committed the oracles of God. How can you count this as advantage? Say after me, chiefly, to, to me is committed the oracles of God. Paul is basically saying the biggest deal about you, Solomon, the biggest deal about the fact that you are born again is that to you is committed the oracles of God. In other words, to you is committed the speakings of God. That's the biggest deal about you. The biggest deal about you is not that you carry first in class or you are the richest man in the world. You know, Believers, at times, we, we go for contests that God is not necessarily sponsoring. We want to be the richest. We want the richest man in Nigeria to be a Christian. We want the president to be a Christian. We want the senior president to be a Christian. We want the biggest entrepreneur to be a Christian. We want the best innovator to be a Christian. And it's good, it's lovely, it's desirable. But it's not necessarily God's agenda. Oh. Look, the earth is the Lord and, is, and, the, and the fullness, including the money with Bill Gates. 
God has different bankers. One of them are some of these Arab that don't know God. They are great bankers. God, Paul, Paul entered a city and God told Paul, God told Paul, God told Paul, God said, Paul, don't fret. In this city, I have men. I mean, this was a city that had never heard the gospel of Christ. This was a city that Paul was the first apostolic evangelist bringing the gospel, the light of God to that city. And he was facing persecution and God told Paul, Paul, relax. I get guys. And if, you are, if God is going to bring out his guys, uh, they will probably look like MC Olu or more. You, you understand what I'm talking about? MC Olu or more Jagaban. They won't just know why they are favoring the righteous cause of God. God prophesied about a certain guy 400 years before he was born. Isaiah chapter 45. He said, I have chosen for myself a man by the name Cyrus. God, God was talking about a guy that will be born 400 years to come. He said his name will be Cyrus. He said I will anoint him. In fact, I'm calling him Cyrus my anointed. He does not know me, but I know him. I will take him by the hands and I will take him to the wealth of darkness and I will show him riches in secret places. I will give to him majesty and kingdom. He does not know me, not for gain, nor for reward. He said, but he will do my will. God has got guys. God has got men. God told Elijah, the brook is running dry, but don't fret. I'm sending you to Zarephath. Anytime I read that scripture, I used to think that Zarephath was another small village in Israel. <laughs> Zarephath is what in Israel. If God, were to go, if God was going to use anybody for, for Elijah, God should have used one of his children, one of his obedient daughters, a Jew. But God told Elijah, no, 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 no. This particular assignment is a special assignment. I have one, I have one guy in Zarephath. I have commanded a spirit. I have commanded. The woman has not got a clue in her mind. She doesn't have a relationship with God. She's not got a clue in her mind. She's not pressing to God. She does not know God. But God said, I've already put in her spirit the code that will make her serve you. And truth be told, Elijah embarked on that journey and jumped to another country. And by the time he got to that country, located that particular village, and he saw the woman. And he said, woman, give me food to eat. The woman said, oh boy, things are terrible. The economy is so bad that I'm on my... Meanwhile, the guy that prophesied the bad, bad economy is Elijah. Because a year ago, thereabouts, he had stood before Ahab and said, there shall not be rain or dew in, in three and a half years except by my word. That prophetic word not only affected Israel, but affected surrounding nations as well. So the woman said, look, I've only got my last meal that I will eat and I will die. Elijah said... Go and prepare for me first. I found that strange. He didn't even say prepare for yourself and for your kid. And if you can manage. He said prepare for me first. For thus saith the Lord. God has got guys. We have so many advantages. But Paul said our chiefest advantage as believer. Our biggest weapon. 
our biggest advantage, our biggest edge, is that to us is committed the oracles of God. Now, if Paul is saying that as a believer, my biggest advantage is the speakings of God, uh, the question therefore is how useful is this speaking? Can you buy Gary in this in this we used to say Buari economy, but in this Jagaban economy? Can you fill my tank? How useful is it? Is it just something there? Or is Paul referring to something tangible, bankable, usable, operational, functional? You know, they gave, they gave a guy. That guy lived some thousands of years ago. They gave that guy this advantage. And they told him, you are going to live your life by this advantage. And they gave him this oracles of God. This speakings of God. There was a particular day he was very hungry. He was so hungry. You know, I remember I experienced some certain levels of hunger that you feel, I have not experienced it. And honestly, to be honest, I'm telling God, God, for necessary, don't, don't make me experience it. <laughs> But the guy was so hungry, he had gone through Lagos traffic. This guy I'm gisting about is the guy by the name Esau. He had gone through Lagos traffic. Fuel is now very expensive. We just had the news yesterday again that there's a likelihood that the pump price might go up. The Naira is falling. So he's, so, he's, so, he's under so much of pressure. He's under so much of uncertainty. He's under so much of fear. And, and, and then all of a sudden, he, he, he's seen a food. Whatever that food is, they call it porridge, but I, I doubt if it's this our asharo, but whatever that thing is. But it was, it was food, well cooked. And he said, my brother, give me food. My brother said, this will come at a price. And he said, name your price. And the brother said, the oracles that you carry, can I have them? Can you transfer them to me? Now, the biggest, this, the most sad thing, if you can go to that Genesis, please go there. The most sad thing about that experience was the statement Esau made. Do you know that statement? Esau said, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field having gone through Lagos traffic on Todd Milan Bridge. And I had Yaba traffic also is crazy. And he was very weary. I'm not even going to identify with this as Nigerians. Yeah, there's so much pressure. So much weariness. At times, you just feel like packing your bags. And I'm telling you. There's pressure. Pressure to wah. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew. For I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Verse 31. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright. This birthright 
is the same birthright Paul was speaking about in Romans 3.1. What is the profit of your right as a Jew? You are just called a Jew. What, what advantage is that right? That Jewish right? That's your spiritual right? And Jacob said, you, you know what? Let's trade rights. Give me your right. The saddest thing about this statement is the response of Esau. Look at what Esau said. Esau said, look, have you seen the exchange rate of Naira to dollar lately? I won't die. Did they follow me? How many of you at times feel Look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? How many of you feel at times that Christianity does not have a, a practical relevance to, to, to situation? How many of you understand what I'm trying to talk about? Eh, I know, we pray to God. But at times you feel we can't... <laughs> Gabriel, you understand what I'm saying? Exactly. It, it's... We are talking about food now, 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 now. There's this covenant thing, and I'm the firstborn. There's just the prices. Now! Now! What is this birthright to me? And, and immediately he said that heavens hurt. God, you know, there are certain statements I make, I, and, I, and I joke with God. I'm like, God, don't hear this. <laughs> but heaven hurt. Now, unfortunately, the reason, even though he was hungry, about to die, the reason why he cannot die is because he has a right to sayings and speakings of God. Oh my job pressed on every side but not crushed. Persecuted but not forsaken. At times even we are struck down but we are not destroyed. The challenge is, at times, we feel that the right should excuse us from being pressed on all sides. We feel that the right should excuse us from being persecuted. We feel that the right should excuse us from being perplexed. We feel that the right should excuse us from being struck down. That for some reason, when all men are saying there is a casting down for them at 590 naira per liter, Rabo Shandalabahaya, when you are buying your fuel, it just drops. Because for you, there is a lifting. <laughs> oh boy you'll be pressed 
Oh boy, you'll be pressed. And this is the very mistake of Jake of, of Esau. He said, he said, look, I'm, I'm in just about five minutes, I am going to die. What is the value of this birthright? Uh, we help. <laughs> I'm here to announce to you, Paul said, that is our advantage. Again, I'm warning you, it might not save you from being pressed, from being perplexed, from being struck down, but it will definitely save you from being destroyed. It definitely would give you continual triumph in all things. Blessed be God who always causes us to triumph. That's the operation of the right. Uh, how would you have a testimony? By testimony, I'm, I'm not talking about something you just come to share. How would you have a personal... Uh, the word is testimony, but I'm trying to use another testimony. How would, you, how would you prove this to be true? If you don't walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. Hallelujah. But we have a right that is valid. We have a right that is functional. We have an access, an advantage that is practical. Because God is our very present help in the time we need. Hallelujah. Much in every way, but chiefly because to them were committed the speakings. The speakings, the speakings of God. One of the things I'm here to announce to us this morning is that you have the right to the speakings of God. To you is committed. It is, listen, listen. Committed here talks about the fact that you have been qualified and you have been enrolled to participate in the dimension of his speakings. You have been ordained. You have been qualified to access the realm of divine speakings. Please say after me. I have been qualified. I have been chosen to operate from the realms of divine speakings. Woo! Divine speakings. The speakings of God. The sayings of God. That's our advantage, church. You see, my brothers, your advantage is not just in the fact that I am a Christian. Listen, your advantage is not just in the name. Oh my God, oh my God, God help me this morning. Your, your, listen, your advantage is not just, listen, it's not just in the name. In other words, it is not enough to just say, I am a believer or I am a Christian. The real advantage is that 
your Christianity or your new birth qualifies you to operate in a realm. Now, is it possible for you to be a believer and yet not walk in the advantage? Yes, it is. Oh, we just spoke about Esau. He was the firstborn and had access to the right. But he refused to walk in the right. And therefore, he lost the right. The book of Hebrews helped me find that place. It said, let no man be as Esau, a fornicator. Is that Hebrews chapter, please look for it, but I'm betting on chapter 12. Don't follow me. Just help me look for it. Chapter 12, thank you. Thank you. Lest there be any fornicator. Oh, now, Paul again is shedding light on a different type of fornication. Of course, on sanctioned sex between unmarried people. Okay? But there is a different type of spiritual fornication. And Paul said, we might be chaste, sexually chaste in the natural, but we might be a people profane and defiled spiritually. So even as we are possessing our vessels in purity and holiness in the natural, let's be sure that we are not being profane spiritually. Why was why why did why did Paul call Esau? What is fornication? in a porridge birthright transaction. Fornication is a description of the sexual sin that transfers, is an unsanctioned transfer of seed, an exchange of seed between the man and the woman. It's unsanctioned. It's a transaction that ought not to happen. That's what fornication is. That transference of seed not to flow, ought not to flow from this to this. It's unsanctioned. Esau exchanged his right to alleviate natural pain. Now think about this. Someone who is working in a company and has an opportunity to defraud the company. What is that person doing? In exchange to make a couple of millions, which is the game, he has sabotaged And violated and trespassed spiritual ordinances. So he has gained, supposedly, 
but he has also significantly lost. That person is called a fornicator. He's a profane person. He's a, he's a person of a corrupt mind. Number one, that transaction does not make sense. You are exchanging one million dollars for one million naira. Say, no, 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 no. I, I just like the way the naira note is. Naira note has Muritala, Mohammed on top of it. They, this dollar, this, I don't like white people. So you, you now went and carried one million dollars. I said, no, 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 no. I love, I'm a patriotic Nigerian. <laughs> Give me one million naira. That transaction does not. The idea of a profane person is more or less saying he's a, he's a foolish person. Who for one morsel of food sold his... It does not make sense. This transaction does not add up. Now, what I'm trying to say is it's possible for you to have access to the right and for you not to walk in the right. Uh That's why John said, if we walk in the light as he is, it's possible for you to be in the light. As a matter of fact, you are in the light because you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of light. So you are in the light. But the question is, are you walking in your advantage? Now, the earth is going to challenge your right or the earth is going to approach you in transactions to exchange. Listen, please, everybody pay attention. The earth, by the earth I'm talking about Satan, is going to approach you in a transaction to exchange your position of advantage for a temporary position that alleviates some sort of pain. You're going to be approached. You're going to be approached by your colleagues at work to manipulate, to make a quick gain. I don't if you understand what I'm talking about. You're going to be approached by an opportunity to defile your flesh, have some sort of temporary sexual satisfaction. Those are transactions. The earth is always approaching. Always approaching. Now, there is a please go back to that Genesis, the story of Esau. There is a name that is given to people who always value the offer of the earth a higher consideration than their right in the spirit. Those people are called Edom. Go go to verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew for I'm weary. Therefore, his name is called Edom. It's a nickname. What does Edom mean? Edom means red. What does that mean? Attraction. Affinity. 
Now, some people cannot understand why, for example, you are a believer. Solo. You are not 40 years old. You have a good job. You have this. Let's go to the club. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be very practical. Okay? They can't understand the reason why you are keeping yourself pure. You know why? Because you are not Edom. Scripture speaks about Moses that he refused the temporary pleasure and his status of being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm looking at Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter 11. He rather chose to suffer with the children of Israel than enjoy the passing pleasures of Egypt. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure. One of the things that God must help us with is this nature of Edom. Where we love righteousness and hate iniquity. You know one of the things God said in the scriptures? God said, Jacob I love, Esau I hate. Now, don't get me wrong. Or don't read the scripture wrongly. God does not hate human beings. What God hates in Esau is this Edomic nature that considers a morsel of bread a greater value than his birthright. That's what God hates. So when the Bible says, as it is written, Jacob, I have loved. What makes God love Jacob? Remember, even this Jacob guy, he's not so straight. How many of you remember his story? He's not exactly straight. But what, God, what does God love about this supposed con man? God loves the fact that he has value for spiritual things. And it was his value for spiritual things that ultimately down the line made them give him another name. What was the name that he gave to him? <coughs> Israel. What does Israel mean? As a prince, you have power with God. In other words, they named him after his love and desire that chooses value with God rather than muscle of bread. That's what they called him. So this guy is Israel. He always chooses God. And God said you are Israel because as a prince you hold power with God and as a result of your status that you now hold with God, you now also have power with men. The challenge is Esau always wants to have power with men. If you start out always choosing God, you will also arrive gaining men. But when we choose men, and Jesus said this, he said, he that denies me before men, 
I will deny him before my father and before his holy angels. Before my father and before his holy angels, you won't have status. They will mention your name and they won't reckon with you. Why? Because you are idol. Heaven doesn't reckon with people who don't have a sense of value. Jesus looked at that generation. He said, why is it that the things that God esteems, you guys lightly esteem, and the things that you guys esteem, God does not esteem it. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Edom. Another version, another name of Edom is Edomia. If you see those two words in the Bible, they are very bad words. Edom, Edomia. They are the two names, two nicknames given to Esau. It means the same thing. One who is always attracted to that which is attractive. He's always red. Uh, Solomon, Solomon said, my, he said, my father spoke to me and said, my son, do not look at the wine when it is red in the cup. How many of you have been offered things that are very attractive? You see, at a level, at a level, the offer of the earth is sin. Fornication, money, uh, to be just make three million, five million, Maybe it could be that basic. At another level, what the, what the world offers you is not necessarily sin. It's just a shift of your position to alleviate a temporary pain. And by the time we observe that transaction, he has not sinned. He's not sinned, but he's shifted from the position God told him to take. Should I give you two examples? Example one. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now pay attention to this. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord has made. And the serpent said to the woman, has God said, my God, the first time we will see Satan strike in the Bible, he didn't strike with blows. He didn't come with violence. You know, Jesus said, behold, I give unto you power to trample upon snakes and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. When we saw Satan strike in the beginning, he didn't come in all of his powers. He didn't come with violence. The weapon Satan chose to strike with the first time he would ever strike in God's creation was a weapon of negotiating man away from God's position. Has God said? Because he realized that as long as man remained in the position of God's speakings to him, you are insulated from every and all kinds of evil. Listen, guys, don't let Satan negotiate you away. I know 
Edom, temptation for some people might still be, don't steal. <laughs> I'm obviously get tempted with stealing 1,000 naira. It's okay if that's still your level of temptation, right? But it gets to a certain point where temptation really goes highly sophisticated. It's not longer about physical. I mean, think about it, my sister. What sin did Esau commit that day? I mean, the, the, the guy is going to die. The guy is hungry. The Bible said, let him that is hungry eat. I mean, well, he didn't explicitly say that, but he implied that, at least in the beginning, he gave to man herbs of the field and birds of the air and beasts of the field for food. Is it wrong to eat? Is it a sin to eat? No! But has something changed and been tampered with? Yes. This is what I'm saying. Some of us have no business traveling abroad and relocating abroad. Is abroad wrong? No. As a matter of fact, it's desirable. But the reason why you can't shift position simply because it's fashionable to shift position or because even right now, given the situation of Nigeria, shifting position and relocating can alleviate to a very significant degree your pain. I agree. That's the reason why Nigerians are going to Canada, US, UK. And some very funny names are starting to come up right now. Because people just want relief from this unending pain. Understandable. But some of you have no business doing that. It is not a sin, but you will be negotiated away from your position of strength and power. Let me give you a second example. Genesis chapter 12. So God appeared to Abraham and God said, Abraham, leave your father's house. Follow me and I will take you to a country that I am going to show you. And by the time I'm done with you, you are going to be a blessing and and through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And so verse 4 said, Abraham, in response and in obedience to that encounter with the Lord, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Abraham was so sure. He was so sure that even his nephew said, I'm committed with you to following you in this journey of of uncertainty because God has spoken to you. So from verse 4, they began that journey, walking with the Lord to a land that God will show them. And somewhere in the midst of this journey, Satan moved the earth to make an offer to Abraham. What did Satan do? I think it's verse 12. The first thing Satan did in response to this encounter of Genesis 12, 1 to 3 was that Satan moved the earth into a position of distress and famine. Similar to what we're experiencing right now in Nigeria. There was famine. Verse 10, thank you so very much. Now there was famine in the land. You see, when that famine happened, The earth presented an option before Abraham. 
this journey that we are following this God, we don't know where we are going. We don't know when we will get there. We are just nomads. You know, it, it's when, when there is famine, it is more tolerable for people who are settled and established. Because when you are settled and established, you have land to plant. Okay? So, even if there is going to be farming going forward, you must have enjoyed harvest till maybe the last two months. So, you still have storage. But, how many storage can you really have if you're a nomad? How many of you have seen those Fulani people before doing their thing? At best, they just have a couple of sacks. So if you are a nomad, you normally rely on settlements along your way to restock. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, when we get to Bagada, we are going to buy bread. From Bagada, before we get to Ifako, in Ifako, we are going to buy water and ensure that we, we, we refill our tank to ensure that our 50 liters keg is full. And then we'll continue, continue the journey. Hopefully before we get to uh, Alakbere, we'll restock tomatoes. You know, you, you, can't, you can't really have a ban. So if you are living a nomadic life, farming is a lot more harsh. Plus the fact that if you get to a settlement... You are the mercy of the people in that settlement to sell you goods and materials. What, was, what do you think Satan was doing to Abraham here? Satan, through circumstances and situations, was negotiating Abraham away from Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. Forget this, your journey. Don't die. The hunger is too much. There is famine in the land. Or more survival first. And our father Abraham listened to that negotiation. After all, who wants to die? Now there was famine in the land and Abraham responded in negotiation and went down to Egypt to do what? To buy food there. To restock there. Abraham abandoned this faith journey. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Abraham went to Egypt to dwell. This, this nomadic thing is not working. This following God thing is not working. Uh, look, I'm showing you these examples to show you that you are not the first person that will get to a junction where you are asking, what profit is this bet right to me? The father of faith said the same thing. I said, oh boy, there's Japa. <laughs> imagine, listen, imagine right now engaging Nigeria simply because the fact that God had already told you not to go, to stay here. It's a tough thing. When I did my master's in the U.S. at Harvard, people were asking me, why are you coming back to Nigeria? I didn't have answers. I didn't. Because it does not make sense. I know. I agree. Or there. Actually, if 
I will, even me, I'm calling myself, it does not make sense. I must have told you guys about uh, when my mother, before I entered university, she was toasting me and putting pressure on me to go to school and have my first degree in the U.S. And I said no, simply because God had told me not just to do university in Nigeria, but to do it in the University of Adoikit. <laughs> if God had told me to do it in Unilag, uh, there's, there's, a, there's an occasion for boasting or, or, or great affair or UI. But God had told me to stay put and, and finish my first degree from UNAM. So my parents got a family friend, uh, one of their kids, uh, of course, quite elderly. He's a medical doctor, finished from UI, by the way, relocated to the US, did, it, did his, um, is it ALM, ALM or LMS, that medical exam, passed it. He's now a medical doctor in the US, came to Nigeria with his wife on a visit, and then my parents invited them, come talk sense to my son's head. And they sat me down, the couple, my mom, and myself. And my mom introduced the meeting by sharing why we are here. And then she said, please help me talk to him. And then she stood up and she left. So I was left with those couple. And the guy said, Shay, he talked to me. <clears throat> Shay, he talked to me. I'm a Christian. I know you're a Christian. I'm, I'm also a Christian. In fact, when I was in UI, I used to a, a, attend SPCC, Pastor Olubi Johnson's church. He was baiting me. So why don't you want this opportunity? Everybody's looking for this opportunity and it's being brought to your, to your lap on a platter of gold and you are saying no. Honestly, I also didn't, did not have response. The only response, which is the true response, is that God said. But I was afraid that they would mock. So I said, I just don't feel like. I just don't feel like. They pressed me and I kept saying, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. And eventually they left. But the truth about it is, God has said. When I was going to marry my wife, I started telling my mom that I have a girlfriend now. Her name is Ifoma. She's Igbo. Laye. So she started this tribal war. Anytime I come home, we are always arguing and arguing. Igbos, they are terrible people, you know. And, you know, she was in a, at the time, she was in her third marriage. A first marriage, divorced. A second marriage, which is to my dad. My dad died. And then she got married to her, um, to her third husband. And so the ghost of that her first marriage was still haunting her. Twenty-something years later, what am I saying? Over three decades later. Igbo people, they are terrible. And one of those days I came home, she started arguing. We were arguing and arguing. It got to a point I got really drained. Musaya, I got really drained. There was no energy for me. In fact, I, I didn't even know what I was, I, I was at the point of just giving, because I, you know, you know your mom, I mean, if you understand what I'm talking about, your mom. And then with the last breath of life in me, I said, mommy, kill Alishe. 
and your fair long. In other words, she's the chosen of God. She paused. She paused. She must have paused for close to 10, 15 seconds. And she looked at me and she said, if it's God's choice, then there's nothing we can do. Now, I thank God that God gave me victory that day. But what if my mom was more carnal and strong in the flesh and still insisted? You know, I remember what I'm saying. There are people that are so engrossed in their pain. And, and they said, in fact, my wife's father had said that over his dead body will our first and only daughter marry a Yoruba man. That if you see a Yoruba man and if you see snake, kill the snake first. Sorry, kill the Yoruba man, leave the snake. And he had a friend who is a pastor and the pastor kept telling him, chief, you had better be careful. This girl I'm looking at, spiritually, she's going to marry a Yoruba man. From when she was a child and the dad would say, over my dead body, he said, chief, you will just die. This one will marry a Yoruba man. Three weeks before I went to have a conversation or that initial introduction um, with the dad to go to their house. He was in a prayer vigil. And in the midst of the vigil, prayers were stopped. And the prophetess looked at her. Not too long from now, some people are going to come to your house to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. You are not going to like it, but don't stop it. It is from the Lord. Lo and behold, some weeks later, the Yoruba guy came. <laughs> I really thank God for that situation. But my question is, what if these people were stronger than they actually are in my case? Satan can never, because Satan is after your position of strength. Your position of strength and position of power is the location of God's speakings to you. You are the most powerful in the locus of the speakings of God. Have you noticed that as long as Adam and Eve remained in that locus of the speakings of God, Satan was nowhere to be found. The devil was nowhere to be found. His powers were nowhere to be found. He couldn't manifest destruction and violence. That is why in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, Satan had to come as a serpent. In subtlety and deception, not in violence of power, not in ex, not in not in dunamis, not in, you know the way Satan behaves like Aru Agbero, the way you cast out the demon and the demon rages and fights. Satan didn't come like Satan. You, there is no place found for Satan in the space of the speakings of God. At best, the access of Satan to you in your space of divine speakings comes as a serpent to beguile you, to entice you. And the beguiling and the enticement of Satan often happens not just in your thoughts. It does come like that. How many of you speak to Satan regularly? Oh, of course, we all do now. Why are you... Uh, why are you... you uh-uh. Has he not even spoken to you today or some years ago? He has. He's always speaking to your mind, giving you ideas, 
take this, do this. This pain is too much. What, what makes you think people commit suicide? Mm. That thing you call mental health or mental disease. Well, let's break that mental health down. What, what, what do you think that thing is? It's Satan having conversations. This pain is too much. Just end it. Exit. Check out. Stop this pain. <laughs> Hallelujah. Satan will engage you. But your greatest strength is your position of the speakings of God. I'm telling you. Now, that woman, Mary's, Jesus' mother, told those guys, guys, that day, whatever he tells you to do. You know, one of the things we must do this morning and the resolve we must make and trust the Lord to give us grace is grace for obedience. Whatever God tells you to do, do. Whatever, you see, God is the only, not the, God is not the wisest. Say after me, God is not the wisest. God is the only wise. Say after me, I am foolish. I am foolish. Don't be shy now. I am foolish, but he is wise. Is the only wise God. Whatever He tells you to do, do. For so, for some of you, like Abraham, He'll be telling you, "Come out of your father's house. Come out of Nigeria. Come." For some of you, He won't. Genesis twenty six. For some of you, he will come to you, leave your father's house. And for some of you, like Genesis 26 and verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of Gerah, to the king of Philistines in Gerah. Then the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, Stay in Niger. Stay, 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 stay. Stay. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my brother, we are not opportunistic people. Did you get that? At the end of the day, we are not opportunistic people looking for the new opportunity or the new trend or the new thing. We are people of the saints. Ah, what's the new opportunity now? Ah, you never, ha- you never hear. It's the saints of God. What is God saying to you? What is God speaking to you? That's your advantage. To one, he says, go. To another, he says, stay. <clears throat> ah, my brother, there's every tendency... To want to live in the days of famine. Oh my God, my God, my God. How many of you guys, how are you guys surviving Nigeria? No, I, I'm speaking to you in the flesh. 
it's so, it's so, it's so easy to want to check out. Especially if you have the means to check out. God told him, Bwah! in this land. Wow! What land? This same land of famine. Do you know what famine means? My sister, do you know what famine means? Famine means it's not, famine is not just scarcity, which it is. But famine also means that even the earth that yields is shut up. You know, you know there, there are two problems with famine. Number one is scarcity. So the resources are not a lot. That's number one. And of course, economists, laws of demand and supply. When supply is low and demand is high, what happens to price? Over the roof. So that explains your Naira dollar. We are not producing. We are importing. Okay. So our currency is not desirable. So it's getting weaker and weaker. So the problem of famine is scarcity. Number two problem of famine is that even the earth that is meant to bring forth resources is shut up. The earth is fighting you. You throw seed that in a normal circumstance, in a season where there is no famine, if you by mistake throw a seed on the floor, even without you nurturing it, the earth would bring to yield. In the days of famine, even when you deliberately plant, water, fertilize, the earth will not yield. The third problem of famine is that even the heavens are sealed. There is nowhere to hide. Mission impossible. Everything, everything just hard, nothing soft. <laughs> And your natural human reaction in such a situation is exit. Exit. And God told him in this very context of scarcity where the earth refuses to bring forth even when you deliberately plant and where the heavens has become brass. In that very context, stay there. Dwell in this land, and I will bless you. Ah, you see, one of our advantages living by the word of the Lord is that we live in Nigeria by the blessings of God. What you do, you Ah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you, you must. So, something, you must be living by something in Nigeria. You must. Is that that you are cheating? Of course, I know you can't cheat. You are not Edom. You won't sell your birthright for a morsel of bread. You won't. The problem is, even that morsel of bread, when we arrive at where we are going, we won't be talking about morsel of bread, we'll be talking about bakeries. Do you understand, <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Eventually, when Jacob became a nation, there was an entire city called Bethlehem. Do you know the name of Bethlehem? The house of bread. Meanwhile, that other guy traded morsel. Now we have cities of bread. Okay? Hallelujah! 
We will live by the blessings of God. Dwell in this land and I will be with you. And I will bless you. For to you and your descendants. I will give all these lands. And I will perform my sayings. My sayings. My sayings. My sayings. I remember the last time I came. One of the anchor scripture. What I spoke about is this. The man shall not live by bread. Don't be Esau. But man shall live by the saints. 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 I want us to leave this meeting. And one of the things you need to begin to ask God about the different aspects of your life. Whether be it marriage, whether be it career, or whatever God has put in your heart that is of concern to you, I want you to begin to ask God, speak, Lord, for your servant years. The most prized commodity on the face of the earth is not gold. The most expensive item on planet earth is not diamond or silver. The most prized commodity on the face of the earth is the word of God. If you find it, my brother, keep it. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20. Not too many people find it. But if you find it, keep it. And the reason why you will find it is because God says to you it is given the saints of God. You have access. Go there. Go there and take it. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. My daughter, give attention. Give attention. Give attention. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Don't behave like Esau. Don't behave like Abraham. Don't behave like Abraham first did when he allowed it to depart from his eyes and he went down to Egypt. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them. Ah, this is how to live in Nigeria. You live in Nigeria by the word of the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Guys, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. You can't afford to be careless. Don't let anybody mess you up. Don't let any government or any regime mess you up. Don't let it happen. This is how to live. You live by the word of the Lord in your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Verse 22. For they are life. It is not just mere words. They will manifest in its tangibility of power in life. They are life to those who find them. It is even so tangible that it can become health on your flesh. You don't understand. Mommy, it, it's, oh my, the, the saints of God is not just uh, something, something there. Mm, they are life to those who find them. And they can be so tangibly manifest in your life that they can even be health upon your flesh. Your very skin, your very body can, can, can experience the tangibility of the life of God. They are life to those who find them and they are health to their flesh. 
Let me tell you the reason why you can't afford to allow Satan negotiate you away from your position of power. Like I said, your position of power is the locus of the speakings of God. My sister, I lie not to you. I lie not in the Holy Ghost. If the Lord tells you to relocate to Sambisa Forest, Walai Talai. I'm, 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 very, <laughs> I'm just trying to be emphatic. But if God tells you to relocate to Sambisa Forest, the grace of God, the resources of the divine, and the forces of heaven backs up that word. Look, let me tell you Pastor Adeboye's secret. Pastor Adeboye Ole. Bishop Oedeko Ole. Pastor Tayo Ole. Pastor Dami Ole. Bring that man of God that you respect so much that God is using tremendously on the face of the earth again today. It's not because they are special. You know what is special about them? They are in the locus of the speakings of God. They are in a place where the resources of heaven flows as a result of the fact that that's where God has defined for them. It's called your power slot. Listen, when you find it, our Dabenko Moshe. You know, David said, in Psalms, I think Psalms 91, he said, he said, a thousand shall fall at my side. Now, think about it. I want you to use your imagination. David is number 1,001. And then on this side, there are 10,000 more. So, arrayed is literally 11,001 people on the straight line. And David is somewhere in the midst of that lineup. And David said, a thousand shall fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand. It shall not come near me. A question. Oga. <laughs> you be Superman? No, 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 no. It's not that deep. He's not Superman. I'm telling you, he's not Superman. It's so easy. If you can find that place for you, the place of the speakings of God, and stay there, therein lies your preservation. Therein lies your victory. You know, they came to Jesus and said, I think this must be the book of Matthew. Don't, you don't necessarily, you can write it down. Uh, somewhere in the book of Luke chapter 13, verse 32. They came to him and they said, Jesus, Herod wants to assassinate you. There's a contract over your head. There's an assassination attempt over your life. Sponsored by the king. You don't understand when, when the head of the executive wants to kill you, it means the DSS, the SSS, the NSA, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the police, uh, or God, the top people, NS, NSDC, the customs, the border patrol, everybody is looking for you. Everybody. On that very day, some Pharisees came to him saying, Get out quick, quick, quick. There is a contract over your head. For Herod wants to kill you. Get out now, Jesus. You still have a window of time. 
They've just signed that executive order. It is yet to get to military headquarters. You still have about 30 minutes to escape the city, Jesus, but you have to go now. And Jesus said to them, Behold, today I'm in town. And he gave, he gave them his itinerary for today, for tomorrow. And then he, even, he now predicted a time where they will be able to execute that order. Even when, even when that time comes, he told them, you must know that you don't have a right to kill me. I lay down my life. What kind of human being? How many of you want to live like Jesus? This is a good way to live. Question is, what does Jesus know? This is what he knows. Today, I cast out demons and perform cures. Tomorrow, behold, I cast out demons and perform, perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must... There is... The word of the Lord has things for me to do today has things for me to do tomorrow. And until I've done those things, you can't kill me. My life is not in your hands. My life is in the word of the Lord. Does this make sense? Now, when some people say, I can not die. It's not just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's confession. But it's not really confession like that. There is something they have found in God. There is a saying of God. It, it, that's why I said, he said, I will not die but live to. My, the, my activities, the demands of the purposes of God right now requires that I am alive to do certain things for God. And I cannot go until those things are done. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the following day. For it cannot be. It is impossible. If you even want to think about killing me at all, go and wait for me in Jerusalem. Because the word of the Lord told me that that is where I would die. When Paul became, Saul who became Paul, got born again on the road to Damascus. And he was led in blindness to the city and was kept in a house, and in a house on a street called Straight. And God, in a, in a vision, appeared to a disciple by the name Simon, saying, go pray for Paul. And Simon said, oh God, oh God, he's been killing people. And God said, no, 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 don't say that. He's my chosen servant. He will carry this word of the gospel to the Gentiles and before kings. Listen, to the Gentiles and before kings. And then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard for many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Acts 9, 13, verse 14 now. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who <clears throat> call on your name. But the Lord said unto me, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, how many people? How many groups? Gentiles, kings, 
children of Israel, when Saul, who became Paul, started his missionary journey, he started with the Gentiles. And after a while, he traveled to Jerusalem to bear testimony of how the gospel has now extended to the Gentiles. And he made an argument and went to Jerusalem. So he, he bought that testimony before the children of Israel. But there was a final group that he was yet to bear the testimony to, which is kings. And so he was in a particular town preaching the gospel. And the Jews in that town were so angry with him, they took him out of the city and they stoned him to death. Everybody pay attention. Paul died. Paul was killed. They stoned him to death. However, there is a word hanging over his life. Saying, you shall bear my testimony before Gentiles, the children of Israel, and kings. You've done two. There is one left. Scripture recorded that when those people left him for dead, he was dead. They checked his pulse. He was dead, my sister. And after they went back into the city, Scripture, then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and I've been persuaded the multi, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Verse 20, and verse 20 says, however, when the disciples gathered around him, they gathered and they were praying. Why did God hearken to that prayer? Simply because there was something hanging over Paul that needed to be fulfilled. And they gathered around him and, he ro- and Paul rose up. Normal common sense when you rise from that situation to tell you, go to the next city to go and recover. What did this broad do? Very dumb guy, stupid guy, foolish guy, operating and walking with the only wise God. What did he do? He, enter, he rose up and entered into the city. There's some, I'm saying, when Esau said, What is this story? What is birthright to me? Birthright. You are speaking foolishly. Speaking foolishly. Speaking foolishly. You don't know what you are saying. Nigeria is hard. Because of that, you are misbehaving. You are speaking foolishly. Let me wrap this up. To us is committed the oracles of God. Church, I want us to leave this place and the biggest desire in our heart should be God. Reveal the knowledge of your will to me. My sister, stand with God. If God ever shows you that black is white, from that day henceforth, start calling black white. You're foolish in the flesh, but you're operating in power in the spirit. If God tells you to stay in this Nigeria, put Nigeria on your head. In fact, one so green, white, green. (laughs) 
be, be, a, be, a, be a fanatic of the word of God. I'm telling you. If God tells you to leave this place and Jakba, don't wait till next year. You know why? Heaven's backing for you is in the location of his word. I'll tell you a story. When I came back from the US, I worked in Etel for 18 months. I never knew that that, with all due respect, literally eight out of every 10 staff in that organization are frustrated. I mean, everybody wants to leave. But everybody cannot leave. You know why? Where is the job? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So people are just frustrated, but they are still, I mean, they have to do it to survive. By month 10, 11, I already picked it that. Nah, 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 nah. Christeni. So I knew I, I can't continue in this organization. I, I need to leave. I need to leave. I need to leave. I need to leave. So my, the first leave I got, two weeks leave, I got the leave, and then I went to redemption camp. Just to spend some time praying to God. I just wanted to be sure that I'm not reacting because I have a bad boss, so I'm not meeting my target. I mean, you understand what I'm trying to go I just wanted to be sure that I'm not reacting in the flesh. By the time I went to camp and prayed, just lodged in a hotel there, literally in my room, just pray, pray, sleep, pray, sleep, study word, pray. By the time I left redemption camp, it was clear to me that I needed to leave that organization. This was around March. But I was planning my exit. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't just want to resign immediately. I just wanted to, I didn't know how long the transition would take to another job. So I wanted to ensure that I saved some money. It was in the middle of that that I met a lady in the same organization. I won't forget her name, Uche. Uche had been in Airtel since the days of Econet. Think about it. Airtel started as Econet, changed to Zane, changed to V-Mobile, changed to Zane, and then, I mean, they always, they were always, I remember, the, the joke used to be on them, right? The, the, that telecoms company that was always changing name. She seen it all. Some of our colleagues that they started together, they were already senior managers, some GM, vice president. At the time I got in, she was a manager and then demoted to assistant manager. And then she was demoted again. So we got talking, fellow comrade. So she told me that she's been frustrated for years. This was 2017. That she's been frustrated for years. That about five years ago, so she was referencing 20, I think 2012 or 2013. 
that it got to a point that she was so frustrated, she took two weeks leave from work and she went to seek God. That while she was fasting and praying, trusting God for direction and all of that, she fell into a vision. And in the vision, she found herself in a field. And she saw a man in the field. So it was just a man and herself. She said in the vision, she knew that that man was Jesus. That man was God. And the old man told her, move away from your work. Go into farming. This was before farming became a thing. I remember when Buhari started, Buhari was the one that started with this encouraging people to farm, investments, startups started going into agro. God had given this lady or of it years before that thing happened. When she told me that thing, I was shocked. I was shocked. I said, Uche, what are you still doing in Etel? God is waiting for you in the farm. The grace of God is waiting for you in the farm. No wonder here you are failing. No wonder they are demoting you. <laughs> because you are not backed by God. And God is not going to back you. Because God is waiting for you. Because he has told you what to do. And he has told you where he is. For five years, this lady was sitting on gold mine. But she was holding on to the red. Edom. This is my 300,000 naira salary. That is still sure. How can I leave this known for the unknown? Where do I want to start from? I didn't, I didn't study agriculture in the university. I don't know people that are into agriculture. It's an unknown. And so because of the fear of the unknown, she refused to step into faith. She held on to that Airtel job until August of 2017 when Airtel finally vomited her. Shebi, you said you will not leave. We will leave you. So she was finally sad. And when Uche was sad and people were feeling very sad for her, I was giving praise to God that finally Uche now has an opportunity. I hope she has the courage to now embrace. I'm not going to look for another job, but has the courage to embrace the things that God spoke to her five years ago. Don't be like Edom. Incline your ear. Wait to hear. That's your power, guys. That's your advantage. I'm telling you. That's where anointing is. Some of you want anointing. That's where anointing is. That's where grace is. That's where your angels are. That's where strength is. That's where power is. You know the beautiful thing about the word of God? The word of the Lord does not respect your experience. It doesn't respect, it doesn't consider your ability. The word of the Lord, the word, the word of the Lord is so powerful, it has the ability to bring itself to pass. Your only responsibility as concerning the word of the Lord is for you to believe the word of the Lord. 
Once you believe the word of the Lord, leave the word of the Lord alone to do what the word of the Lord alone can do about the word of the Lord. For blessed is she who has believed. For there shall be a performance of the things which were told her from the Lord. The word of the Lord does not consider your competence. The word of the Lord does not even consider your, your network, your connection. The word of the Lord does not even consider whether you had first class or two one or two two. No, don't get me wrong. Do whatever you can to do to ensure that you are equipped and skillful in skills and competences relevant for the things that the Lord has asked you to do. However, nonetheless, the word of the Lord has no primary regard. For consider, my brethren, that God did not choose the wise things of this world, the strong people of this world, but God chose the very base things that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings he has ordained praise that he might steal the enemy and the avenger. God wants to make you a manifest token of what he can do upon weaklings. You don't need connection with Asorok. You don't need anything. Honestly, you don't even need to japa. If the Lord has not asked you to japa, what you need is the word of the Lord. You know what Isaac did? After God told him to dwell in that land, give me Genesis 26 and verse 12. After God told him to dwell in that land, a land where there was scarcity, a land where the earth was stiff and barren, and a land, verse 12, and a land that the heaven was brass, and Isaac dwelt in that land. Not only did he dwell, he responded by saying, the Bible said, then Isaac sold in that land, that very barren land, that very barren land, that very land where nothing works. That very land where businesses die. That very land where entrepreneurship does not work. That very land where there are no jobs. That very land where there are no opportunities. Isaac responded to the word of the Lord and sowed in that barren land. No, no, no. Isaac did not wait for the land to be fruitful. Isaac did not wait for the economy to pick up. In that very barren land, in that very famine year, Isaac sowed in that land. And in that very year, Isaac reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. This is how to walk in the blessing. Situate yourself in the speakings of God. Children of the living God, that's your advantage. That's your edge. That's your advantage. I don't want you to have this edge and live as if you don't have edge. Oh, what a tragedy. Having this advantage and living as though you don't have advantage. Having this edge and living as though you are not backed. You are backed by God. You have all the backings of heaven. The power of God is for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? But listen to me. Be where God wants you to be. For Isaac sowed in that very land and in the same year he reaped a hundredfold. Can you just lift up your hands to God and just respond to him this morning? Let's respond to the Lord. Let's respond to the Lord. Incline your ears to me. Proverbs 4.20 Incline your ears to me. Hacking unto my word. Give attentions. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. For their life 
Let them not depart from you, but keep them and bind them in the middle of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. You will find the word of the Lord because to you it is given the speakings of God. To you it is granted the oracles of God. To you it is given. To you, you have access to the speakings. You have access to the saints. You have access to the speakings of God. You have access to the saints of God. You have access to the speakings of God. You have access to the saints of God. You have access to the speakings of God. You have access to the saints of God. You have access to the speakings of God. Let's access the saints of God this morning. Let's access the word of the Lord. Let's access the word of the Lord. Let's access the word of the Lord. They are life to those who find them. They are health to their flesh. Life to those who find them. Health to their flesh. Health to their flesh. Life to those who find them. Matthew chapter 13 verse 16. They are life to those who find them. They are life. They are life. They are life. They are life. Verse 16. Hallelujah. And someone is in this place this morning. Listen to this. And you are saying, Say, I'm not necessarily spiritual. I'm not deep. Do I need to fast 40 days? Do I need to grow deep and grow well before I access these sayings of God? No, 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 no. It's a privilege given to you. It's not a function of your spiritual growth, even though spiritual growth is desirable. It's a privilege given to you. You already have it. Jesus said, Blessed are your eyes for the sea. Your eyes are blessed to see the words of God. He said, blessed are your ears. They are not going to be blessed. They are already blessed. Let me tell you something. I was 16 years old. What am I talking about? I was 15 years old. When I was studying my Bible in my room. And I was reading the book of John chapter 16. Is it 16 or 15? And I stumbled upon a place where scripture said. I'll be it when the Holy Ghost is come. It will show you things to come. And I was so provoked. I was alone in my room. I said I've had the Holy Ghost for two years. He has never shown me anything. Well I interpreted showing me things to come to be vision. That was what I thought it was. And God honored my faith. I said, I've had the Holy Ghost for two years. I've been born again for two years. The Holy Ghost has not shown me anything. And I said, God, right now I'm going to sleep. I want to see a vision. And I closed my Bible and I went on top of my bed. And in a few minutes I slept up. At around 3 a.m., God started speaking to me in a vision. And God was showing me visions about my school. I was in secondary school then. And the vision continued for some time. And at the end of the vision, God said to me, These things you have seen, settle it with me on your knees. God was showing me the problem, some of the ch spiritual challenges, some of the challenges going on and, you know, showing me from the realm of the spirit. I remember waking up from that vision. 
The first thing I did in the dark, I was alone in my room. I was, I was dancing. I said, so this thing is real. I forgot about what I saw and the things God told me to do. I was first dancing. I was so excited. So this is real. The scripture is true. And then after I danced for a couple of minutes, I now settled down and I started handling business. But your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed. Some of us, we need to begin to speak to the Lord right now. Like Samuel said, Lord, speak for your servant ears. Say that again. Say that to him in prayers. Lord, speak. Your servant ears. Speak to me, Lord. Do we have people in the house this morning deserving the speakings of God? Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Varada shalega borobeneki su farabotalia danakata. Do we have people who are seeking the Lord this morning? Scripture says, You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Ask that your joy may be full. Ask. That your joy may be full. Ask till you come to the place of assurance. Ask till you come to the place of confidence. The reason you don't have is because you have not asked. Do we have people in the house this morning pressing into God and asking for God to speak? Do we have people asking for hearing ears? Because seeing eyes and hearing ears, they are half the law. In the name of Jesus, Lord, this morning we are asking for ears that hear. In the name of Jesus, we are asking that He will treat our eyes with eye salves that we may see. In the name of Jesus, you will cause our ears to hear for blessed are those whom you cause to hear the joyful sound. And they will walk in the light of your countenance. In the name of Jesus, we are a people. Who want to hear the joyful sound? Cause our ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, cause our ears to hear. Cause our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, this morning we pray for high serves. We pray for high serves. We pray for high serves. Cause our hearts to come to the place of understanding. In the name of Jesus, we are a church. We are a people. Inclining our ears to your word. We position our ears to hear. We come into the arena where you speak in the name of Jesus. And we are saying, Lord, this morning that your word will become the rejoicing and the delight of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we come like Jeremiah this morning. We say, oh God, we have found your word. Your words were found and your word became in our hearts the rejoicing and the delight of our hearts. In the name of Jesus, let your word come. Let your word come. Let your word come. We want to be a people dwelling in the arena of your speakings. Dwelling in the place where you speak.
a people of your feet, a people of your presence. Like Mary, again this morning, we choose the good thing. We choose the good thing. We choose the good thing. In the name of Jesus, we are saying, Lord, that it would please you. It would please you to speak, to speak, to speak. To speak and we receive capacity to hear we receive capacity to hear we receive understanding we receive understanding in the name of jesus can we pray this morning and ask the lord for a heart that is swift to obey in the name of jesus in the name of jesus act swift to obey act swift to obey in the name of jesus Lord, we pray this morning that our heart will be swift to obey. We are praying for capacity for obedience in the name of Jesus. We are praying for capacity for obedience. We receive grace for obedience. We receive grace for obedience. We receive grace for obedience. Lado vena kuta lipo tefenizakaya. E parovina kuta lakuvo sota. Jakete venekiala. Jovodovonosia. Mando vrodika. E la dabariata. Zada borovene koshaya. In the name of Jesus, la prada banakisaya.